Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. This is week three of our Word to the Wise, and if you're joining us via podcast, thanks for joining us, and we pray that this message will help you take your next step closer to Christ as we do this together. We open up in prayer with me, folks. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, and Lord, we just pray that you would do something in our hearts today, Lord, not just because it's that Valentine's season, but because... Lord, our heart is something critical to how we speak, to how we act, and how we do things. And without you at the center of it all, well, we could really mess things up. But with you, we can do all things. So Lord, your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, so far in this series, we've been talking about how to gain wisdom in our relationships with God regarding how we view Him, and even gaining wisdom in the work that we do, and how many know that work isn't just because you get a paycheck. And today we're going to hone in on words, the words that we speak to others, Because one of the most important things in Proverbs and even throughout all of the scriptures is learning to use our words wisely. It's been said once before that relationships is everything. And the truth is, no matter what you do, whether you're married, whether you have business, whether you're in the community, whether you're at Lowe's or Walmart, no matter where you're at, you are involved in relationship with other people. Some very intimate, some very surfaceful, but you're still in relationship. And how we treat and how we speak and when we speak and what we speak really matters to God and to those special relationships we have that we say we care and love and call them family. So this is pretty important stuff. In every relationship, the critical thing for health and the critical thing for longevity really is communication. So it's important to monitor and to guard what you say, when you say it. And I would even emphasize, most importantly, how you say it. They tell us that 97% of what's communicated, most of it is nonverbal. What does that mean? It's how you say it. I could look at my wife and say, I love you. I don't think that's very convincing. Or I can say, hey, sweetie. I just want you to know. She's like, stop already. (laughs) What was the difference? How I said what I was saying. That communicated more than the actual substance of the words. So I really want you to catch that today. It's not just what we're saying, how important that is. It's not just when we're saying it, how important that is. But it's how, the purpose that's behind what we're doing, why we're doing it, and on and on we go. 
So this week, we journey through the scriptures to learn how we can do this effectively, starting in the book of wisdom called the book of Proverbs. You know, there's, there's been a time in my life, multiple times, and uh, more than I want to count or recollect, and, and so I won't speak for you, I have really messed this thing up with saying things at the worst time possible, saying it in a way that I shouldn't have said it. And what I was saying had nothing to do with actually what was actually going on. And so there was false accusations coming out of it. Do you know when you do that? Because I, I know I have. And I have a family that could amen everything I'm saying right now. And I, and I wish that wasn't the case. It's embarrassing. But the truth is, God is a redeeming God. And I, I'll be honest with you, most family is redeeming too. But you got to be honest with yourself. you got to be honest and say, I messed up. I said something I shouldn't have said. I was out of line. I didn't have the facts. And even if I had the facts, what was I thinking when I said what I said and how I said what I said? Because I was making it about me and not about them. See, my words can either, either help or my words can hurt. What am I doing? You choose. You choose. You may have heard it said before that God is a gentleman. And yes, it's true that God won't make you do certain things. And then there's other times where I completely disagree with that. God will get my attention and he will, let's say, inspire you to do something. I remember I did not want to go into full-time ministry. I had been interviewed to become a youth pastor, and I said, no, I was going to be a professional football player. I had trained with Vince Ferragamo for three months. I was playing college ball. I was a legend in my own mind. And, and, I, and I did pretty good. But after that interview, I went to practice the next day or two, and I did a quick hitch. It's just running up about a yard or two, catch the ball, and then you take off running. Hopefully you get about two to three, four yards. You're going to get tackled right away. But you get to catch the ball and get the, the yardage they needed to get a first down. Well, we had some guy who was on steroids, and a bunch of guys were, were and, and they, get, they called it roid rage, steroid rage, right? And he was just not in his right mind. And my foot got stuck in the turf. And so my foot was like this, and he hit me in the chest while my foot was pointing in the other direction, stayed in the turf as my body swung around my foot. And it popped so loud that this big Samoan 310-pound lineman goes, ow, because he knew what happened. And I am screaming, I mean pain. And they said, well, you would have been better off if you would have broke it. I go, I didn't? And by the way, I'm sorry I didn't break it for you. <laughs> High ankle sprain. It was horrible. And as I'm laying on my back, did I tell you I got interviewed to be a youth pastor? And I said, no. And I didn't tell you that my engaged bride-to-be was with me. And when we left, she looked at me and she goes, you know, you should have said yes. 
not even married yet. I'm laying on my back. And just like you could hear me and I could hear you speak right here, right now, I heard the voice of God. It wasn't real nice. It was like, now are you ready? He said it in such a tone, like a big brother or an uncle who gave you a Charlie horse. It's like, are you done? And he's, he's got a fist ready to give you another one. And I'm thinking I got another ankle that he could do that too. And then a knee and another knee and a hip and another hip. And I'm like, oh, man. And I was stubborn. I went and went through therapy. And I went, I don't know, six, eight weeks. Came back out, running routes, doing fine. And sure enough, I did a square out and I popped it out again. Came back to the pastor. And, and uh, he says, what took you so long? God told me you were going to be my youth pastor. I said, well, it's a long story. <laughs> pretty painful one so he laughed when he heard the story but it gave him confirmation that he had heard from God so people say God's gentle he's a gentleman he is but he will get your attention he won't force you to do something but he will incentivize by the way suffering is not a four-letter bad word sometimes suffering is the very thing you need so you can see clearly So let's start with wisdom about speaking wise words to people. And we, we find this in Proverbs 25, verse 11. And, and it, it, it's kind of a strange verse, I'll just be honest with you. And, and I'm going to try to break it out for us. But it's such, such a beautiful verse when you kind of break it apart. So it says this, verse 11, like apples of Gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the proper time. I mean, it sounds wonderful, very poetic. But most scholars would tell you that it's not really talking about, let's say, a silver bowl or something silvery, and, and you put some, you know, some, some yellow apples or something. In. That's not what it's talking about. They believe that it's talking about something very artistic, like a tree trunk. And that on these branches are solid golded apples. What's it trying to communicate? Opulence. That this is beautiful. See, because if I just took silver and I took some dirty old wood and made, carved out some apples and put it on the silver, it wouldn't be so beautiful. But if I took a precious metal, silver, and a more precious metal, gold, and I put them together, and that being the fruit, it would be proper, it would be beautiful, it would be opulent. And that's what Solomon, who wrote most of the book of Proverbs, is saying. That a word spoken in its proper time. It's not just proper, it's opulent, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Have you ever seen that when you speak to a child and they just needed a something of confirmation of support? Have you ever done that with a spouse and you said something at the most perfect time and tears came down their eyes, not because they're grieving, but because it was so beautiful what you said? It's opulent. It's gorgeous. That's how wisdom works. And folks, 
when it comes to our relationships and growing in wisdom, this is a really great place for us to start. And that is knowing when to keep quiet. I mean, God really showed it to us. Every day you look at somebody, you see what? Two ears and one mouth and two eyes. Hey, Marvin, why don't you watch twice as long and listen twice as long as you speak? Isn't that interesting? I mean, as much as I love to eat, why didn't you give me two mouths? While I'm going here, I can get another one. No, he gave me one mouth and one tongue. Why? Shut her down. I got two nostrils. I got two eyes. I got two ears, but only one gullet. You think he's saying something? Don't use it so much. So now, in the, the Old Testament, there's this guy named Job. Um, in the Bible, though, they call him Job. But the Bible says in a good way that there was no one on earth at that time that was so righteous and so on fire for God than Job. And the enemy of his soul, Satan, says, yeah, well, if he, anybody had that much wealth and that great of family and, and all this business and all of that, of course, but if he, if he took everything away, he'd curse you. He goes, I double-dog dare you. And the Lord says, okay. He had that much faith in Job. And we know Job lost everything like that. Lost his 10 kids, lost all of his wealth, lost all of his means to make wealth. It was gone. And the only thing that was remaining was a nagging wife that said, why don't you just curse God and die? Woohoo! Glad I married her. But What's really intriguing are the words that are not spoken when you consider what's happening with the three friends that came to visit him. Let's look at these guys. Let's look at verse 11. Again, Job chapter 2, verse 11. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he, meaning Job, had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. They gave up their businesses so they could go and visit a friend. What? They're gone for a week to do what? Take care of their friend. Their names were Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the, I didn't even try to do that one, Amamathite. When they saw Job from a distance, you just picture this, when they saw him from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air with their heads to show their grief. A very Jewish thing. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. They didn't say nothing. Could you go? Because he was in such pain and suffering. They just sat there. Seven days, seven nights. They didn't go get an Airbnb. They didn't go to the hotel. They were there. Wow. Sometimes the best thing you can do 
is be there and shut up. Just be there. Don't correct. Well, let me, let me give you the, the criticism of the hour because th this all happened because, well, you did this or you didn't do that. Let me help you. This is a very godly thing. Shut up. How many, when you really screw up bad, do you need somebody to help you remember how bad you screwed up? Do you need them to give you the list of everything you've done wrong? Or just be there. Just be there. Just be quiet. Just be there. There was times when I was a hospice chaplain, and I'm like, I don't know what to say, and the Holy Spirit would just tell me, nothing. That's why I'm not giving you anything. Just sit here. But i got to do something. I feel uncomfortable. I'm experiencing anxiety. He says, shh. Just be there. Just be there. But it was so bad what they did. It was so wrong. They shouldn't have even been there to get into the car wreck. This is all messed up. Shh. Just be there. Just sit. Just sit. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything. And there's a time to just be quiet. And it doesn't mean being quiet with an attitude. Hello? Have you ever been there? Not saying a word, but you're saying a mouthful by the way you're sitting there. Just be there. Supportive, not critical. Often in, in life, especially in times of great pain like Job was facing, People need our presence rather than our advice or our correction. It speaks so much more when you're just there. Ever remember when it was a bad time for you? And maybe if that other person, a parent, would have just be there. We came and visited Kelsey because she was supposed to have a baby a couple of years ago now, two and a half years ago. And her and her husband went to the hospital, you know, COVID and all that craziness. And the doctor did everything and realized we're a week too early. And said, no, I need to send you home. We'll see you next week. Well, she was heartbroken. Because mom and dad and family had traveled. And were they even going to be there now that they have to go back home? All was based on with the doctor original date. I got it right this time, guys. So when she came into the house and she saw me and she came to me and she just came and all I did was I just hugged her. I didn't even say a word. I knew she was so heartbroken. And I just let her cry. I said, I'll be okay. That was it. Didn't say nothing. Just kissed her on her head. I found out later that that was everything. In that moment, all she needed 
it's going to be okay. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask the big, well, what did the doctor say and why are they saying it? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Why do I always got to make it a win? And we miss the child. See, with all of this in mind, wisdom with words comes with an understanding of when to speak, where to speak, how to speak, in the manner of our heart, in our body language, is how we share those words. So maybe you've been in a situation like this before. And if you're like me, you may have made mistakes along the way. Offering advice when nobody was asking for it. And it didn't help in the slightest, did it? Maybe today you and I can begin to take a page out of this biblical playbook, if you will. Consider to first just take the time to sit. Watch. Just be there. Listen with someone before speaking to them about any of the situation. Take it slow. Whether we're giving counsel, maybe we're answering their question, or having a heated conversation with a loved one, no matter what we find ourselves doing, how do we speak with wisdom in that moment? And here's the good news. I believe the Bible makes it clear for us regarding that. When you speak, let your speaking be helpful. Not about you. Helpful. Helpful for them, helpful for everyone involved. But let it be helpful. Obviously, it's easy to be positive and and uplifting when we're in a lighthearted, a very surfaceful conversation with somebody. Boy, we can be super Christian then. But when it gets intense, and when the eyes are, and the body language is, is, and they are ready to fight, um, how, how do you speak with wisdom? Because it's attack mode. Now what do you do? Where do you go? And that is you have to prepare before that moment happens that you, are, you have already determined, I'm going to put my ego down before it happens. Determine no ego. Men, dad, no ego. Oh, yeah, you too, mom. No ego. Does this one hurt? Yeah, I don't want to preach it. Why? Because when I do that, i got a bunch of fingers pointing back at me. You only get one. I get three. But isn't it truth? If I determine not to be prideful, not to be selfish, not to be egocentric about the whole situation, God can use me. And I can diffuse the situation. But if I get broken and I get all heated up, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. I'm going to do something I'm not going to be happy about. So kill the ego before it happens. We must be willing to sacrifice. Be careful. If you're the one who's quick to do that snarky comment so you can win an argument or get a dig in, 
I'll be honest with you, it's not helpful. By the way, are you wondering why those adult children aren't coming around? How's your snarky replies? How's your one-liners going? Paul gives us some advice on this. Let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. Don't use foul, now catch this, or abusive language. Wow. What does it mean by abusive language? Gaslighting? Poking at somebody? Bringing up the past for no reason? Let everything you say be good, and say it with me, and help, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul says that if we're willing to refrain from, from that negative speech, our words will be an encouragement and even helpful to those listening. But we must face that question again. How do we do this? Well, Proverbs, again, Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, guard your hearts above all else. Another way to say this is guard your core value system. That's my heart. What is my core value system? If my core value system is, if I want that, I'll just take that. That means I believe stealing is good for my personal pleasure. But if I say, I believe what God says, do not steal, do not take that, that which does not belong to you. It belongs to them. I guard that. And I could do the same thing about how I speak. I can do the same thing in how I behave and how my mannerisms and my face, I, I can guard that. Part of what we do often begins with what we say. And what we say always it comes out of the abundance of what the heart has. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So everything I say is a byproduct of what's in my heart. If I'm not spending time in the Word of God, if I'm not spending time in His presence, if I'm not spending time in fellowship, in worship, all these things, what happens is I'm going to fill my heart up with what? That which is opposite of the King. That which is from the world. And the world's value system, you know what? It doesn't have a good track record. It just doesn't. But when I fill it with the things of the king and his kingdom, when I allow the holy word to be in me, then my core value system switches to the core value system of the king, Jesus. So I see things the way he sees it. I hear things the way he hears it. I, I touch the way he touches. I think, I move, my being is all him first. His success rate is 100%. It's no secret that our culture, for the most part, does not think before they speak. All you got to do is go to social media. And you find there stuff that you go, I know that person, and if I was with them one-on-one, face-to-face, they just wouldn't say that. But you put a keyboard and a screen in front of them, and you're like going, what just happened? What just happened? Simple. No thinking. The abundance of the heart, mouth is speaking. Guard our hearts. That's the idea of keeping the good things in and the bad things out. 
Guard our hearts. Most of what will be thrown away from the world around you will not be helpful anyways. It will be harmful. It will distract you from spending time with the king and make you question whether God is even God or even that he's good. This is why it's important to fill your heart with the word of God. So here's something as, as we close. I want us to be aware of this option. So James really speaks to this or that, that or this. I'll show you what I mean. James 3, verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And then he goes into talking about all these other things. And, 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 but here's, here's the big thing. I'll, I'll use a modern day because he was talking about water. You know, if I turn the spigot on, do I get salt water? Do I get fresh water? Most likely fresh water. But do I get them both? No. You either get one or the other. You can't have both. And, and in this, James is saying, hey, out of your mouth, you're blessing somebody and you're cursing somebody. What are you doing? Wow. Do we bless our children and curse them? Do we bless our spouse and curse them? That's not the way it's supposed to be. We choose this or that. This verse reminds us of those two options on the table at any given time when we're just about to speak. We can either give a blessing or a curse. We can either give something that's helpful or something that is harmful. We can either give something that is positive or something that is negative. James is saying extremely, this is extremely just straightforward. Be careful with your tongue. It's powerful. You can start a whole forest on fire with just a little match. And you can do the same thing with your tongue. Often, we choose poorly. It comes from the wrong motives and the wrong intentions inside of us. Our hearts, our core values. And matter of fact, James, as we go to the next chapter from, from 3, now let's go to chapter 4, verse 3. And this is what James says. And even when you ask, you don't get it. I've been asking for stuff. I've been praying for stuff. And God says, he says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are sometimes wrong. All wrong. You want only what give you pleasure. Now God wants us to have things that are going to give us pleasure. But if pleasure becomes an idol, then it's an idol. He doesn't want us to have idols. He and He alone is our King. He and He alone is our God. James connecting my heart and its selfish desires to being the critical issue of how I bless or how I curse. That's why I choose wrong. Because my heart wasn't beating in synergy with the heart of the Father. So we're all working on this together. 
No one is perfect when it comes to what we speak, when we speak, and how we speak it. It's a journey of gaining wisdom as we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and being in the presence of the Lord. Communication is key in any thriving relationship. And the Word of God is our source of helpful communication. So consider this week when you go how you may and where you may need to grow inside you. Is there a heart thing going on there? Is it when you or what you or how you communicate to the ones we say we love? Maybe you struggle with being approachable. Are you mostly irritable? Do you struggle with being critical and demanding? Or are you kind and supportive and understanding to others, more so to those who are outside your immediate close family and friends? I'll guarantee you, family and friends notice that you're super nice to the waiter or waitress, to the server, or the people at, at the cash register, then the way you talk and answer them with your meanness. You ask something and you're sharp. Why do you ask that? What's that all about? Whoa. Just ask what was for dinner. My bad. Me? I'll go get me a burger. I'm good. Bye. Do you catch yourself when you're like that? Do you treat people who you wouldn't even, I mean, you treat your spouse one way who you sleep in bed with, but people who you wouldn't even let get into your close part of your heart, you're so sweet and nice to them. What's the deal with that? Remember back in the 1970s and the phone rang and you were screaming and yelling at the kids, mama? On the top of your lungs, you were screaming. And how did you answer that phone? Ring! Hello. <laughs> Blessing and curse. Blessing and curse. I challenge you to pray. Ask God to show you to help change your heart. Because when you no longer care about just me, myself, and I, and you say no to being snappy, no to being rude. No to being critical. No to being me, myself, and I. Then God can do something inside of you. He can bring about those dreams. So whatever you choose to focus on this coming week, remember, it matters what you say. It matters when we say it. It matters how we say it. And it matters how we treat those closest to us. Meaning our heart, our attitude towards them, who we say are the closest to us. If you wouldn't treat a stranger that way, why do you treat a loved one that way? It's wrong.
It's wrong. And a word to the wise is to seek God. And say, God, will you help me to see that thing in me that's not right? I need to see it, God. God, I need to confess this to you now that I can see it. God, I need to repent of this. God, would you just set me free? So you can love those who deserve you at your very best. And watch how it will blossom. Well, Father, as we come and pray, I just lift up each and every one of us. If you're here and you hear this message today and you go, Pastor, I, if I'm honest, and I really look in the mirror. There's some things that aren't right. And I want to be a, a person of wisdom. That a word like this could help me so that I could change. And I could be everything God wants me to be. I don't want to be the person who says, I, I, well, I just disagree with you and I have an opinion that's different than yours. Well, your opinion doesn't change truth. The Word of God tells us. So God, help me to see it. Help me to see what's wrong in me. Help me so I can confess it. Help me so I can repent of it. Help me so you can set this captive free. And then I can be a blessing. And as I'm a blessing to others, you, you'll bless me. Wow, it's a wonderful thing, Lord. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Would you raise your hand? Would you look up at me? Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Lord, for everyone who's just saying for me today, this is, this is that important. I don't want this to be my legacy to my family and my friends. That I was foolish. I was mean or rude or self-serving. But that, Lord that I need you. That I could pass on a passionate love for God who could set this captive free. Would you do that for us all, Lord? And Lord, may we stand knowing your will and your way would be done. And we would see something miraculous happen and the look in our eyes would be different. Full of love, full of grace, full of mercy. Bless your people. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church 
or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.